Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Fitz Nation. I'm thrilled to be back on the call this week with Dominic Cruz and Paul Felder in our first UFC event of 2023. Here on Fitz Nation, you can expect a lot of changes on the show. Of course, it's been pretty much exclusively long-form interviews with big names in the UFC world. Interviews with fighters and coaches and broadcasters. That's going to change. And it doesn't mean that the long interviews are going away. It just means that the shows won't just be long-form interviews. So as an example, today, there'll be a bit of a variety to the episodes. Um, I asked for some questions on Twitter and figured I'd do a Q&A segment. That's on today's show. I caught up with Michael Chiesa when I was at the UFC Apex. It's about a six-minute interview. You'll hear from Michael Chiesa on today's show. So things like that were a bit of a bit of Q&A, some shorter interviews mixed in, maybe some fight talk. There's really no limit to what I can do other than the fact that the full episodes are exclusively on UFC Fight Pass. So if you want to watch them, go there. And these variety shows, I'll just say right now, they will have a much bigger visual component than obviously the long form interviews where it's a back and forth and it's a conversation that really does just as well in audio form as it does in video form. I have all sorts of ideas for travel vlogs and for behind the scenes content to include in these variety shows and I'll share the best audio bits with you for those here. But obviously, if I'm showing you something travel related and it's a behind the scenes thing of a UFC event, well, Sometimes it doesn't really come across in audio form. I'll get into more of the changes in just a minute, but I just wanted to come off the top and say I'm excited for it, and that's why this show and other shows in the future will sound different. But if you like the long-form interviews, don't worry because I'm still going to do those as well. As a matter of fact, I've scheduled John Anik and Laura Senko in the next couple of weeks. Let's start the new era on Fitz Nation. Fitz Nation, let's go. I always had to be mega in the zone, ready to go out there on my shield. Be in the question and don't look for the answer because the answer is the end. Think about who I'm fighting for, fight for something greater. At the end of the day, you got to believe in yourself. It's time for the Fitz Nation podcast with your host, Brendan Fitzgerald. I got to tell you, folks, I am so excited for what's to come on Fitz Nation. You know when you have those moments, those light bulb moments where you've been thinking about something and thinking about something and trying to figure out and you have some good ideas, but it's not completely thought through and then the light bulb goes on and you just get so geeked up over it that all these ideas come flowing to you. And it's hard to think about anything else. It's hard to sleep at night because your mind just races with all these great ideas. That is what I have had over the last 10 days, let's say, for Fitz Nation. Now, here's what to expect in 2023 and beyond for the show. First things first, the facts are that this has been an interview-based podcast. Interviews with UFC fighters and coaches and personalities and I have really loved that. And for those of you out there that enjoy the long interviews, those will continue. Uh, as a matter of fact, I just texted John Anik the other day. We're going to line up a time. So look for a John Anik episode in the next three, four weeks. 
Laura Sanko as well. Exciting times for her in 2023. So I just texted her too, and we're going to make some fun, long interviews still happen on this show. But late last year, I started having some different ideas for the show. And it all stemmed from the fact that I wanted to go in person with the interviews more, just like I did before I even had video several years ago, before we were on Fight Pass. And so I looked around and I found a podcast studio that's right near the UFC headquarters here in Las Vegas. And I could have used it. It's a great location, obviously, because there's fighters all the time at the UFC PI and the Apex and that sort of thing. But I just was starting to, you know, get uh, get a headache when I thought about coordinating the schedules, both me and for whatever fighter and guest I'm going to do. And then the schedule of the podcast studio, when it might be available and all those sorts of things. So I thought maybe I'll do some in person, but I also had these bigger ideas of more variety in the show, not just interviews, right? I have unique access in the UFC, both at the events on the road and at headquarters and at the UFC Apex. I have access to a lot of different people that fight fans would like to hear from. And also, I love to create content. And I really turned it up in 2022. I started really putting out a lot of TikToks and reels and chopping up the podcast in different forms. And then once I started learning the social media game a little bit, I started to have more and more ideas. And then on my YouTube channel, things like the prelim report, which you'll see later on this episode, and short interviews of five to seven minutes because I can find time to sit down with Michael Bisping for five-ish minutes at a time when we're working, but blocking off a whole hour and doing a full interview, well, then it's asking a lot of the guest that you're trying to track down and coordinate schedules of me sometimes newborn baby upstairs happened to be napping fingers crossed that he stays asleep right now. So I just thought I have all these ideas. I create all this content. Why don't I string it together and make Fitz nation instead of just a straight one-on-one interview podcast, let's make it a type of UFC variety show. And even beyond the UFC, as we start to branch out and I have more ideas, on things that I'm interested in and things that I think you would be interested in too, if you like my show. So that's that. So I mentioned the prelim report. That's something I used to do on my old YouTube channel and I was going to bring it back. And then I realized I'm trying to think of segments to put on my YouTube channel and maybe mini segments to put on social media channels. And then my podcast, which is one-on-one long interviews and then short interviews with people that I run into around work. And I just had the light bulb moment the other day of let's all have it be under the Fitz Nation umbrella. Interesting content is interesting content. And let's put together some of the shorter segments into episode form. So as I said, it's a bit of a an MMA, a UFC and beyond variety show like this one will be. And we'll mix it in with long-form interviews from fighters, coaches, MMA personalities, UFC personalities. And again, the whole reason why I called this show Fits Nation a few years ago instead of Fits and a Fighter was because I wanted to give myself the latitude in the future to start branching out and doing a lot more different stuff. And Fits and a Fighter doesn't really work if I get a guest that's not a fighter or not in the UFC realm of things. 
So that's that. So as I mentioned, um, the prelim report is one of them. Uh, regular guests of some of my closer friends uh, in the fight game, both on the TV production side of things, coaches that I work with a lot and that sort of thing. Travel vlogs. I did this a couple of times last year. One I did from UFC Austin. And I just kind of got out my camera at different parts of the weekend when I was on the road. And I gave a cool kind of behind the scenes video that was all about my time on a road trip, what I do to prepare, walking around the city, catching up with fighters at ceremonial weigh-ins, airport stuff, like just kind of that show on the road, a bit of an embedded type of feel to it. But from my perspective as the play-by-play -play announcer, and I put that on my YouTube channel and people really liked it and they wanted more of it. So I did one for International Fight Week when I was hosting a lot of events at UFC X, the fan festival. So expect travel vlogs, expect short interviews with fighters, expect fight talk, the prelim report. I'll catch up with Yanni the Greek and Nick Kalikas when we tape uh, an episode of On the Line, maybe give some gambling insight, big picture. There's really no limits, and that's one of the beauties of having my own show, but also having the support and the resources of UFC Fight Pass is that now nothing is off limits. Nothing is impossible in terms of the content that I will try to create to give to you so that you can enjoy it as a fight fan and so that you can level up in your own life because something that really clicked with me a handful of years ago was when I went from being a cynical, sarcastic sports fan who just thought it was about my opinion and making jokes to wanting to learn from the great achievers in athletics and beyond. Instead of being the cynical, sarcastic sports fan, why don't we take into account that these athletes are incredible in their realm of things and they can offer us so much to learn whether you're an on-air TV sports media personality, a teacher, a coach, an accountant, a bartender, you can always get better in whatever's important to you. All right, first things first, I asked for questions on social media. You gave them to me. Now it's time for Ask Fitz. Here we go, everybody. The first ever Ask Fitz. Um, I did a little Q&A, I think, early in the pandemic. Back in 2020, I said, I want to do a podcast. Um, everyone's trying to figure out how to use their time and make some different content. And so I said, oh, Q&A would be fun, right? Ask me a question. I remember being a sports fan coming up through high school and college. And if there was a way to interact and ask questions to some of my announcers that I liked watching on TV or the sports that I love, then I would have taken that opportunity. So I did it a few years ago and I thought, Hey, I could probably do this weekly. And of course you get busy and whatever, it doesn't materialize. But recently with these big ideas I've had for the show, I said, I put out a tweet. I said, I'm going to kick off 2023 with a Q and a episode of the podcast. And that's really how small I was. I was thinking when I fired off that tweet a couple of weeks ago, I was just thinking, all right, I'll do a and a podcast. Never once thinking, why don't I do Q&A as part of a bigger variety show? Anyways, you guys came through with some questions um, on Twitter and Instagram. So fire them up right now. I'll answer five questions. Here's the first one from uh, J650 Corona. 
who is one of your favorite fighters slash guests you have had on Fitz Nation before? Thanks for the question. You know, that's something where if there's people out there that were nervous that I'm not going to do the long form interviews anymore, guess again, I got to do these long form interviews. I get so much value from them, both as a play by play announcer and just like as a friend, I feel like I've made new friends on this show. Um, People that you just really click with and have a great conversation. One of the most recent ones, Hanato Moicano. But I'll go deeper into the Rolodex as this is episode 118 of Fitz Nation. It's probably been about... I mean, there hasn't been 117 interviews, but close, maybe one, 105 or 110. Um, so I, I'll just shout out a few. I think back to how this podcast all started, and it was in April of 2019. So to give some context, it was the day, it was the same day that Max Holloway fought Dustin Poirier. I believe that was UFC 236 Atlanta. And that morning... Uh, earlier that day, I was on vacation with my family in Hawaii. My wife is from Hawaii, from Oahu. And I had this thought before then of, I need to start my podcast. I need to start. I, and I, I wanted it to be an interview show because I had started doing some interviews with the UFC and um, I wanted to do more of them. And I just knew that the opportunities for like the UFC production interviews, they would come few and far between. And then Megan Olivi does some and Laura does some. And so I just said, I want to be consistent. I want to have my own show. I want to talk about what I want to talk about. And now that I have access to these fighters back then on all these road trips, I can do it. I'll get a recorder. I'll get some microphones and I'll start my podcast. The very first podcast I recorded was on that vacation in Hawaii with my family. Max Holloway was fighting in Atlanta, so it wasn't him. It was Yancey Medeiros, former UFC, what, welterweight, then lightweight. Uh, he had fought, I think, as heavy as heavyweight in his regional time. Good friend of the Diaz brothers. And I had called a couple of Yancey's fights at that point. Um, I, The first fight that I called him when I met Yancey for the first time was at UFC Austin back in 2018, February. It was one of my first events. I think it was my fourth UFC event that I called. And I just, you know, having a connection with my wife being from Hawaii and being familiar with Oahu and that island, and they're from Hawaiian Island, West Side, Makaha. And uh, I texted Yancey and I said, and I was just like, hey, I'm over on Hawaii. I'd uh, love to do a podcast with you. I'm starting up a new podcast. I want to do like long interviews and like, can I meet you? Whatever. And so we met uh, at a Starbucks in Pearl City, I believe, um, out in the park, and like Starbucks is noisy. I had clip-on microphones, little lavalier microphones that plugged into my phone, and I just hit the phone recorder on my thing. If you go back and listen to it, the audio for him is, I mean, it's okay. His mic up. My mic wasn't working, but you can hear my questions. But the reason why I say Yancey Medeiros is, number one, just the fact that it started in a parking lot at a Starbucks, you know, leaning on the hood of my father-in-law's blue Toyota Camry, right? Just so innocent. Like we're like behind this shopping center and we just had such a great conversation. We went like an hour and Yancey's such a, um, kind of a spiritual guy in terms of the whole of the mana on the islands and the energy of the earth and good vibes, good energy and, and being friendly. And like, even though he's a badass fighter, like, 
he's one of those personalities where if you met him you and you didn't know much about the UFC, it would totally shatter any expectations you had for what UFC fighters were. And the more I live into the future and kind of align myself with positive thinking and you know just just good vibes and positive energy and understanding that like if your mindset is good the world will reward you for it the universe will come back and show you and i think back to like some exchanges that i had in that interview with yancy Medeiros, and i'm like that's what he was talking about that's what he was talking about like success he was talking about you know like wouldn't you be successful if you were like broke but just enjoyed art and you made art and you loved it like that would be successful where just a very different perspective, a kind of an island that laid back a Hawaiian perspective on things. But I've just clicked with it over the years. And uh, I, I feel like I keep coming back to certain things that he said during that interview. And I'm just like, yeah, he's talking about Nancy was right. Nancy was right. So that's certainly one of them. Um, but really, I mean, I could go down the list and I could just give you so many of the great guests that I've had on this show. Um, Bryce Mitchell that's the most listened to episode in audio form and i just reposted that obviously recently I, I think off the top of my head mickey gall mickey gall was a great guest on the show like really enjoyed talking about his journey andre feely was one of the best ones no question about it the episode with andre feely was so so good and uh his perspective and his take on things was so honest so honest and candid um and so if you're wondering why uh, just to wrap up on Yancey Medeiros, I'll leave it there because I could go on and on with this question. If you're wondering on Yancey Medeiros, he was episode two of the show. If you go back and look at the archives on my audio form, it's obviously not in Fight Pass. Because he was the first one that I recorded and I said, let me get a few of these in the can. Um, let me, you know, they're evergreen interviews. It's not like he's fighting next week and it wouldn't be good to listen to after. And then I thought, well, who else should I get? And I said, well, Forrest Griffin is around the uh, headquarters all the time. So then I reached out to Forrest Griffin. He's like, yeah, we can do it. We can record it. So we recorded at the UFC PI. And I, and I had Yancey Medeiros and Forrest Griffin as my two first episodes. And I thought, well, I mean, Forrest Griffin is the guy who fought Stefan Bonner and just kind of blew up the UFC in a whole different way. So why don't I have Forrest Griffin make this little bit of a history if you will call it as the first guest on my show but the first interview i did was with yancy Medeiros. so thanks for the question j650 corona moving on here's a good question you become ufc president tomorrow what's the first big change that you do this is from sean corcoran i put a little bit of thought into this most of these questions i just kind of typed out and saw them on my twitter feed and i just put them away and i said i'll answer them on the go i did want to put a little bit of thought into this one so I just thought about it for a minute and I was like, that's what it is. Now, the uniforms for the UFC are done by Venom before they were done by Reebok. Um, a lot has been made of the uniform issue over the years. And obviously, if you're a fan that's been around since before the Reebok deal, then there was a lot of logos on shorts. I, I, always, say, I always say logos on shorts when I see like an old, clip of cub swanson or edson barbosa or frankie edgar and there's just logos everywhere right because they didn't have you know the ufc was still obviously finding its footing and kind of learning the business side of creating this new sport and, and how to best 
how to make it run the best, how to make it the biggest and most successful business possible. So before anybody could have any sponsor they wanted and it was all over their shorts and they had their banners behind them. Remember those, the banners that was all their local sponsors. And then the Reebok, you know, kind of makes it corporate and a lot of the fight fans didn't like it. And the Reebok deal was already in full swing by the time I started with the UFC in 2017 on Dana White's contender series. So I, I'm not going to say back to how it used to be, get rid of Venom, the Reebok deal was bad. I'm not here to like make that type of lightning rod statement. But how much fun was it when Bryce Mitchell was calling out for his camo shorts and he got them, right? And it was the special edition where uh, Reebok made him the camo shorts and now Venom makes him the camo shorts and it's basically in his contract. If you want me to fight, I'm wearing camo shorts. And that is just like who he is. It represents where he's from. It is very important for him to have that certain look. So much so that he would call out for it after every victory that he had. And he, you know, and, and he was be, became a big enough personality in part because of the camo shorts call out, but obviously he did a lot of winning and he's a unique character in his own right. I think that there should be a way and there could be a way to give fighters a bit of latitude on what they wear. Now, if Venom is our sponsor, as they are, exclusive equipment sponsor, that's fine. Let's keep it all Venom. All Venom. That's fine. Head to toe. The crypto.com sponsorships on the t-shirt, whatever you got to do. But I think giving fighters a bit more latitude in terms of color and design. And, you know, maybe if there's like an approved list of sponsors that the UFC could come up with where they could put them on the shorts. I mean, there's monster logos. Some people have deals with monster. So I'd say let fighters kind of explore maybe own all the UFC partnerships uh ufc strike and panini america and modello and you know howlerhead whatever and maybe like to not make it cheesy to not have a big modello logo on somebody's butt but like give them just a patch you know like the nhl has stickers on the helmets now and uh nba has just like a small tastefully done ad one per uniform one per team so Venom keeps the sponsorship. We open it up on colors. Like, can you imagine Sean O'Malley's different kits that he'd walk out with, right? And then even if they were all still Venom and, and aligned with all of the sponsorship deals that needed to be in place for the UFC, but if it was pink with green, and then if, you know, what he comes out with a new color scheme for each fight. And so I just think allowing fighters beyond whatever their kind of country's flag colors are, right? Brazilians can wear gold and black and white and sometimes green too. And, you know, fighters from the U.S. can wear black, white, red, or blue. But just, you know, let them have that if they want it or maybe, you know, for title fights or whatever. But anyway, I would change the uniform policy to make it uh, still pretty strict in terms of what you can wear the logos, but give them latitude on colors and designs to a certain extent. That that's that's where I would start. I think it would make it fun for the fans. I think it would make it fun for the fighters. I think it would help build stars a little bit more. And I think it would fit within 
the contracts and endorsements that the UFC has in place. So there you go. Okay. A couple more questions. The UFC fighter you most look forward to calling their fights, and why is it Beast Boy 61? That is uh, Chris Barnett, Beast Boy Barnett. Um, I think I called one Chris Barnett fight, and he lost it. So it can't be Chris Barnett. I will say, though, against John Volante, that was amazing. Against Jake Collier, that was amazing. Obviously, his celebrations in a full arena, uh, amazing. I love Chris Barnett. I try. I texted him. I tried to get him on the show late last year. Hopefully, I'll make that interview happen. The guy, wait, if you talk to this guy, it's like he's one of those guys that has you just like rolling on the floor laughing, um, even from a virtual standpoint. All right, so UFC fighter, I most look forward to calling their fights. Here's the easy answer. I've kind of said this in different platforms before. It's Justin Gaethje. It's just, there's, there's one answer, and it's Justin Gaethje. Um, and I don't even know Justin that well. Obviously, I know him, and he knows who I am a little bit like to say hello but like I'm not buddy buddy with Justin Gaethje but gosh man do I love watching him fight and uh I say him because I have had the pleasure of calling I believe two of his fights um and obviously when they get to a certain level if I'm calling fight nights and not pay-per-views then I you know it's like when am I going to call another Justin Gaethje fight? Now, maybe if they headline a fight night that's in front of a full arena, that could happen, but they're not putting him at the apex anymore. Um, Justin Gaethje, that is, and, and those types of fights. Gaethje, I called his fight against James Vick. He was actually the underdog against James Vick. That was in Lincoln, Nebraska in August of 2018. Great fight night. Nine finishes that night. Uh, Gaethje knocked out Vick in like a minute. In the main event, did the flip off the thing? He had been he had come off of two losses. He had lost to Poirier and he had lost to Eddie Alvarez. So that was a big return to prominence for Gaethje. And then I called his fight against Cowboy Cerrone in Vancouver. Uh, that was a great weekend in Vancouver, fun city, uh, working with DC. And uh, he knocked out Cerrone, obviously, in the first round there, too. And and I just, you know, it's appointment television for me when Justin Gaethje is fighting. It's just, it, you just can't help it. It's amazing. Um, Charles Oliveira is up there. I called a handful of his fights because, obviously, his story was longtime journeyman in different, at featherweight, at lightweight. And he was looked at, I think, by a journeyman, by a lot of people before he just went on that ridiculous win streak. But even when he was on that win streak, a lot of times they put him on fight nights in Brazil. So I got to call him several times. Uh, he knocked out Jared Gordon in Sao Paulo in the first round of 2019. He set the submission record in, gosh, now I can't remember. can't remember if it was Fortaleza. Um, I know he fought Christos Yagos. I think that was in Fortaleza. I think that was when he set the submission record or did he set the record in sao paulo the year before and i can't remember who he fought there that might have been christos yagos or i'm not sure but charles Oliveira. i think i called three or four i called this fight against nick lentz in rochester in 2019 that was a great one so there you go gaichi Oliveira, can't miss finishers in uh the glamour division of the ufc those are the two names that uh jump off the page here we go. What's something you feel is always good to keep continuing to learn or do as a broadcaster, commentator, or journalist? Um, so, thank you, Big Talk MMA. That's a good question. I'll give you two things, um, kind of in separate areas, but 
like, you know, you can do both, but I'll give you two main things. Um, as far as the broadcasting and commentating play-by-play side of things, I think I think reading, I think reading and um, listening to like long-form interviews of interesting people is very very helpful. And what I mean by reading is um, you can read fiction, you can read nonfiction, but I think just understanding what makes for interesting stories is super helpful. Um, I guess then you could like analytically watch a really good series, right? Like to me that you can learn something from everything. I guess that's the bigger point. Learn something from everything. Don't watch game of Thrones and turn your mind off and just be like that. But you know, I'm just watching it. No more thought. Have your brain in tune for how to tell stories. And you can still enjoy the shows. It's not like it takes enjoyment out of fictional movies and books and TV shows and things like that. But like when when there's like, like pay attention to the dialogue, pay attention to lessons that they're almost teaching you in, in these things. I remember um, watching Billions and the main character, Bobby Axelrod, was talking about fear. And he's just like, see, a lot of people run away from fear, but I don't. I cultivate it. I use it. I mean, like he was, was just like this monologue of how he uses fear and he runs toward it because it sharpens him and it and it drives him. And that's something that you can use because you will see that play out in real life. Then when you talk to a fighter or whoever you're covering in whatever game, you will start hearing themes that are just human nature. That is what they're going through. And I think that if you do a lot of reading, both in the personal development uh, realm of things or in the fictional realm of things that involves character building and telling a story, you can apply these big picture concepts when you're telling a story. I mean, think about me as a play-by-play announcer for the UFC. When I'm calling the fight, okay, I'm calling the fight. But you also want context with what's important to the fighters, what they've been through, all that sort of stuff. And it is so, so helpful to learn how to tell a good story. And you don't just, it's not something that you stop learning or stop working on. It's its an intangible but it is something that you can pay attention to so you can get better at it. Uh, the other thing is, and this is kind of like a hard skill, if you will, learn how to use all the media and continue to learn. Like just because I went to college and I learned how to use Final Cut Pro in college doesn't mean my learning stops there. Like continue to learn how to edit. The thing that I did in 2022 is I really learned the ins and outs of social media, uh, like what the trend is on Instagram and TikTok. And I don't mean trend like a funny viral video. I mean, trend like vertical videos cut like this with captions. And so I started learning, how do I edit these? Uh, How do I put captions on my videos? Learn the nuts and bolts of what is coming down the pike in media so that you are not behind and playing catch up that you are on the forefront of it in terms of making content or whatever you do as a journalist reporting like i see local news like there's they leave so many chips on the table in terms of how they could cover things because they're stuck in that old model and i know friends in that business and it's very tough to break out of it but if you do you set yourself way ahead same thing in any media production sports production anything Um, if you kind of know what's the trend is and you can ride that wave and you're not going to be like changing the game necessarily, but you know, I had wish I had known about Instagram reels about a year before I knew about it. I didn't really know. And then I started seeing it more and then paying attention to it. And I was like, let me learn how to do this for my 
content and that was like a breakthrough moment so um learn something from everything like learn from anything and everything books and tv and movies fiction nonfiction, any of that that'll help you tell stories and learn uh the hard skill um of editing media production anything that's in your world that you want to know building a sub stack like there's education out there for how to do it well keep learning in, in that regard too all right here we go uh do you happen to go to every pay-per-view i'll keep this one quick for happy feet you know i don't go to pay-per-views i don't call the shows um and oftentimes it's like okay if annex there i'm not like annex doesn't go to a lot of the events that i do he's like I don't know if he's ever been to an event that I've done because we're ships crossing in the night in that regard. Obviously, for big events, big pay-per-views, there's a lot more things swirling around. I hope to be at more pay-per-views in 2023 with ESPN, maybe in post-show role and, and some auxiliary things surrounding the pay-per-views. But we'll have to see. I've only been to a handful of pay-per-views. I mean, as a fan, I've gone to several of them. Cyborg, Holly Holm, I was at that one in Vegas um bisping george st pierre at madison square garden i did go to that one that was incredible i was kind of like i was just starting i was like shadowing went to salt lake city this past summer to work for bt sport for the weekend so i saw leon edwards head kick of usman front row sitting next to cam haynes and uh wow that was incredible so yeah i mean i've been to a handful of pay-per-views but i'm most of the time i'm on the couch like a lot of other fans i'm watching on the couch and i could go to like all of the las vegas pay-per-views but you know you got the family and got a new baby at home and stuff so for the most part i uh, take that saturday night and i uh, watch them as a fan like everybody else all right last question three most important steps what are your three most important steps in your prep work for each event well <clears throat> first things first i get the um bios with all the information on the fighters and that's like you know height weight age fight history that sort of thing and i have a running tab of of that a running tab of fighter files that i use that i continue to build on after i talk to them on a fight week after i maybe listen to a podcast with them or whatever i'll take some notes and kind of it's a living breathing kind of microsoft word document for each fighter that i call so update number one is to update that to make sure I have the right record, the right age, the right recent fights, um, and all the stats, the right amount of knockouts and submissions, all that. That's number one. You got to have the numbers all consistent with what they're going to be when they fight. Number two, uh, fighter meetings on Wednesdays. We talk to the fighters or depending on if it's a road show, Thursdays, we sit down with probably about 12 fighters, not everyone on the card, but like 12 fighters. And we get to talk to them face-to-face -face for about 15 minutes. And that's our whole broadcast crew. You've seen that on UFC Embedded, I'm sure, where they walk in and there's, you know, the announcers, and whoever's on the call that week, a couple of producers. And we just kind of get the inside information that we don't share before, you know, the broadcast. It's like guarded information. And um, so that's number two, uh, in addition to, like, YouTube research google research just kind of finding out what's out there on these fighters what they've said on media day so that's kind of all lumped into one and then the last one is writing my scripts which we script everything that's not a fight call we script um or, or like a walkout but we script you know when i toss to a feature i have a lead written for that when i read the locker rooms for what fights coming up next i write that 
so that I can have a nice clean reading of it as to what fight's coming up next and what storyline I want to go with, um, knowing what uh, and sponsorship elements are there, like when we're going to read a Modelo, when we're going to read a Toyo Tires, you know, all of those sorts of things. So nuts and bolts of the stats and, and all the latest numbers correct for each fighter and for each fight on the card, that's number one. Number two, get as much information as you can through the fighter meetings and through YouTube and then also just talking with the fighters in person that you might see on media day or on Friday when, after they weigh in. And then last thing is button it all up from a TV production standpoint with the formats and the, and the scripts that we use so that uh, the show can be as clean as possible okay um bit longer than i expected on the ask fits q a i'm happy to answer whatever question you may have track me down on social media at brennan fits tv twitter instagram tiktok and uh we'll keep this q a going now it's time to catch up with ufc welterweight contender michael chiesa there you go nice. oh laid back with michael chiesa yeah Hey, perfect world, when and who do you fight next? Wow, he just comes right out of the gates firing, doesn't he? <laughs> you know, uh, I think the early quarter, first quarter next year, okay. ideally, I think, I think like maybe end of January, maybe February. Uh, I know it's going to be a really busy schedule internationally next year. I'd, I'd like to fight stateside. Uh, How come? A, um... You know, the, the international travel can be tough at times. The taxes can be tough. But, I mean, you can't put the price tag on a win. So, I don't really have an opponent in mind. I have a location in mind. Um, you know, they, they really teased me with, the, Seattle. With, with Seattle and Canada. So, it'd be cool to fight close to home. You know, I my first professional loss was in Seattle to Jorge Masvidal. And then prior to that, I was supposed to have my UFC debut. I got staff protection. So it's like, I feel like I'm 0-2 in UFC fights in Seattle. So I don't have an opponent in mind, but I have a location. I'd like to fight on the West Coast. All right. Um, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, when I was a small child, I wanted to be a ghost. And then as I got older, <laughs> that's a true story. I wanted to be a ghost. You know, I wanted to be a professional skateboarder. I was really convinced that was going to be my, my career path. You know, my, my grandfather, who I, my all-time idol, uh, he raced motorcycles professionally. So I just grew up under this pretense, like, my job just has to be something cool. Like, it's not going to be some type of nine to five, so. I wasn't far off in professional fighting. Some people don't know this. Your MMA career started at a Hooters. <laughs> Can you quickly tell that story? In a nutshell, I'll tell you what happened. I was a, I was watching UFC 78. Yeah, it was 78, Liddell versus uh, Jardine. And I was not 18, and I was sitting around a bunch of drunk guys at Hooters, and we all know what happens when drunk guys that don't know how to fight watch UFC. They think they know how to fight and they just were picking a fight with the wrong group of youngsters. And uh, we got jumped in the parking lot and, and it was, the numbers were not in our favor. And it, it basically panned out, looked like more like we jumped them. So uh, my, my coach, my now coach Rick Little caught wind of this because of uh, a couple girls that worked there that were ring girls for his show. Like, hey dude, this dude actually can fight pretty good. You should probably uh, find this guy. So. 
they set me up next to him at the GSP Matt Sarah rematch. They put us at a table together and we met and then uh, went and watched one of his shows and then I started training on Secret de Mayo in 2008. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's one of my favorite stories. It was great. It was crazy because I didn't grow up a tough guy, Brendan. Like people that grew up, people that know me, uh, you know, I was not like a stellar athlete. You know, I wrestled, but I was hardly varsity on my best day. Yeah. I didn't get in a lot of fights. I, you know, I was very non-confrontational, got picked on a lot. So I think that when I, I think I realized in that moment that if you really force me out of my comfort zone, I can, I can I'm capable of great things. Not that I think getting in a street fight's a great thing, but yeah. But as, as I've gone into my fighting career, I've realized like, this 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 sports way out of my comfort zone but i'm pretty good when i get out of my comfort zone so what would you tell the fighter that was in your first fight what would you tell yourself starting the career in my very first mma fight what would i tell him i would tell him you know i don't think i would tell him anything at all brandon i think that it was good for me to figure it all out on my own through the wins the losses the trials and tribulations in the training room I don't think I would want to tell myself anything. I think I would still want to just, the way that my path was paved out, it was meant to be. So I just don't think I would ever want to go back and change anything. Um, everything happens for a reason. Uh, <laughs> it's, I, I don't know, I don't think there's anything else. What did say. you just think when you laughed at I would tell him, trust your guard when you fight Vicente Luque in UFC 265. <laughs> don't, don't just rush into a single leg. <laughs> I've been harping on that on myself. Lately. Oh, I goodness. Oh, really beat my head. The losses so stick with you. They really do stick with me, but that was the only thing that came to mind. But I'm like, what am I going to say? Hey, man, you're going to fight this Brazilian guy in Houston, Texas in like 13 years. <laughs> Trust your guard. Don't don't just rush into a single way. <laughs> I wouldn't tell my younger self that. I would let him figure it all out on his own. Because I think that's what was best for me. This sport is what helped me grow up. You know, it, yeah. and it, it shaped who I am and through the wins and losses and the whole process. I, I don't think I would change anything um, except for that. Last question, what have you changed your mind about recently? What have I changed my mind about recently? Um, what have I changed my mind about recently? Wow, that's a really good question. Um, you know, it's funny you say that. What, what, I, what have I changed in my mind recently is I need to trust my knowledge a little more sometimes i think i sell myself short and i think that maybe that's like a that's like that comes with that like that mantra like there's always more to give there's always more you can do uh and that's a great thing to live by but i also think that with that comes like i didn't do my best or i don't know enough or i'm i'm i'm, I'm coming up short in some things so i kind of just had a moment few weeks ago where I was just kind of sitting back kind of reflecting on my career plotting my next move you know I'm, I'm, my back is starting to get healthier I'm really starting to think about walking away and following De Vanessa Demopoulos and Sean Shelby to talk <laughs> about a fight but I, I just I've, I've kind of changed my mind recently about like you know quit selling yourself short I'm always thinking that I'm not maybe I'm not up to par with certain people you know and uh, I need to just start comparing myself to other people and just focus on myself and uh, it's been good it's been good for me you're the man, dude. Always good to see you, Fitz. Appreciate you. You're the man. It is time to wrap up this uh, first episode in this format of Fitz Nation. And if you've made it this far, then I truly appreciate it. And I would consider you a true fan of the show. And uh, thank you isn't enough if you made it this far. And if you're excited about this format the way that I am. But... 
As I mentioned before, in wanting to always learn from something, whether it's a book, whether it's a movie, a TV show, or something that you're actually going to to learn, I hope that my show, and I have hoped that my show can offer that to people out there, viewers and listeners, uh, UFC fans. And really what started down the path for me was I was learning from these fighters, both in my interactions on the podcast and also just in my interactions with them in a work setting. When I got to talk to them about how they improved athletically or mentally, and I started putting it together that I'm learning a lot from these fighters. My interviews for the podcast should pass along some of their knowledge to anybody out there who cares to listen and learn from some of these great athletes. And so even though this is uh, my show in this format where I'm doing a lot of the talking, I still hope I can pass along some knowledge to you. And uh, I'll leave you with some words of wisdom, which are perfect for this time of year as the year is just kicking off and we all have our list of goals that we want to accomplish or our resolutions or that new type of person we want to be this year. And something that has changed my perspective just in the last few months is the law of attraction, more of a positive thinking uh, mindset to be in. And I have liked to think of myself as a positive thinker already, but so many of us, when we think about what we want and what we're chasing, we think about it from the perspective of what we don't have now. And we are chasing this thing, no matter what it is, with the perspective of lack. If we want to lose weight, we chase this number on the scale, and we think we need to lose weight because right now we're not good enough. And if we want more money in our bank accounts, we think, well, when I'll get this amount of money, then I'll be happy. But right now, I don't have that amount of money. And when we want a promotion or a certain level of our jobs, we are chasing this certain level and we think of it in lack. We want to get to that level because we're at this level and this level is not as good. And I just totally shifted my mindset late last year. I was reading books about the law of attraction and, you know, meditation based things. And I don't have to ask you to get into meditation and new agey science and whatever else you may want to believe about it. But I will say this if you are, excited about the journey that you're on, it makes it a whole lot more fun. I used this example late last year. I had a weight loss challenge, MMA coach, Fortis MMA, Safe Saud, gave me a challenge on November 1st when I was about 222 pounds. And he said, you will be 206 pounds. I need you to make light heavyweight by December 1st or you owe me 500 bucks. Now keep in mind, 206 pounds, I had weighed that maybe twice in my adult life, and I haven't weighed 206 pounds or less since 2008-ish, right? Long time. I was just stuck, and uh, I did it. I did it in three weeks. And the reason, I, I credit the reason why I did it, in addition to being strict with the diet and whatever, I didn't really go crazy on workouts and and that sort of thing. 
but I was so excited to get there. I was not unhappy on my way down at 218 or 216 or 214 and struggling. I was just thrilled that I knew I was going to do it and that what I wanted was in my future, but it also made it fun on the way down. So just a little piece. I don't want to ramble on too long. We're about an hour on the show. I can't believe it. I thought this was going to be like 30 to 40 minutes. But um, again, if you're listening at this point, then truly thank you very much. There's going to be a lot more fun ideas and segments. And I also am going to refine it. And, you know, if you ever see early episodes of any show before they really find their groove, there's some growing pains along the way. So um, onwards and upwards in 2023, long interviews will be back. Variety shows like this will be back. Next episode I plan to do is to take you through a busy fight week here in Las Vegas on this first week of our new calendar i'm gonna be bringing along a camera with me and seeing who i find along the way and maybe we'll drop another one of these episodes next week that will be all about my preparation through a busy week of taping ufc breakdown taping ufc on the line hosting weigh-ins and calling play-by-play of our first fight night of the year so that's what to look out for thanks for uh joining me on Fitz Nation, and I'll see you next time.